Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Acts, the second chapter. Acts chapter 2. I want to begin reading with verse 41. Acts 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly received His word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved, or such as were being saved, those those who were being saved. I want to read one more verse of Scripture. You find it in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, and verse 17. And this is the church of Laodicea. And this church that we're speaking of in Revelation thought that they were self-sufficient. They didn't have need of anything. And it says in verse 17, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased in goods, with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not, this is what Jesus said to them, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye save, that thou mayest see. Here's a church that thought they had no need. But this church in the book of Acts that we've read of, it says they continued steadfastly, back in Acts chapter 2 now, if you want to refer to it from time to time, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And then the last verse says, The Lord added to the church daily, such as should be, or those that were being saved, actually, is what it's referring to. We're going to talk about the needs of the church this morning. You couldn't talk about all the needs of the church in ten sermons. But I've tried to get some things together that we'll talk about the needs of the church. The church is not the building. This is where we meet. But it's the people. And the Bible teaches that the church is a called out assembly. And as such, it has many needs. And this church of the Laodiceans were saying that they were rich and had need of nothing. But the Bible teaches that churches have many needs. And we'll speak of seven that I believe are very important. Probably each and every one probably should take seven messages to give you these seven points. But you know I like to cram it full and have plenty. I like to have enough ammunition that when I go hunting, I'll get some. And uh, I don't want to waste it, but I want to use it. Uh, first, the church. First of all, the church needs conviction based upon the Word of God. Notice the context. When they gladly they gladly received His Word, verse forty-one, and then it says in verse forty-two, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued in the Word of God. And they had conviction about continuing in the Word of God. We need conviction based upon the Word of God. You know, Paul told Timothy, he says, preach the Word. And he says, be instant in season, out of season, 
And he says, reprove and rebuke with all long-suffering and doctrine. You know, reprove and rebuke. But it says, with all long-suffering and doctrine or teaching. The church needs conviction as to the fundamentals of the faith. Jude says that we should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered uh, to the saints. Now, it doesn't say be contentious, but it says earnestly contend for the faith. We don't want to do things in a contentious way, but we do want to be grounded in the Word of God. The church has need of conviction. It has need of the doctrines of the church. The fundamentals that we've said of the faith, that salvation is freely by grace. We believe in one God, the Father. We believe in the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of men. We believe in one Son, our Savior, Son and only begotten Son of the Lord of God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one and only Savior for men who died on the cross for our sins. We should have a firm conviction that there's no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Also, we believe in the church ordinances. We need conviction about the church ordinances. Baptism signifies the death of Christ and His burial and His resurrection. And every believer that identifies himself with the Lord Jesus Christ is identifying himself with Christ's death and that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried, that He rose again the third day for our justification. And we need the reminder of the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, This do in remembrance of Me. We need reminders. Peter says, As long as I'm in this tabernacle... Or in this body, he says, I, call, I want to remind you of the things that you have been taught. And he says that he is a reminder of the things of God. In the book of Second Peter chapter 2, let me get it for you. I want to read this verse of Scripture for you. He says, chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Wherefore I will not be always negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them. He says, even though you know them, this is Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12. And then he says in verse uh, 14, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, this my tabernacle, his body, even as the Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that, that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. You know, Peter spoke to the people. I could give you verse after verse in that second chapter as well as the first chapter. 3 verse 1 tells us that he wants to remind us as well. But he wants to remind us of the things of God. And we need these. And we need to have convictions about them as we are reminded of them. We need to be reminded and have conviction about uh, our separation from the world. The Bible says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. The Christian today... Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between a Christian and an unsaved person. It's, I'm sad, it's sad to say that you find it on the streets today, and those professing to be Christians, you can find very little difference. But there should be a definite difference. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says, and be not, verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says that we, that we know about our salvation. And I want you to listen carefully. 
when we talk about 2 Timothy 2, verse 19. It says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. Well, you say, that's wonderful. I know I'm saved, and God knows I'm saved, and He sealed me under the day of redemption. But it says, the last part of that verse says, And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ, let everyone that professes to be a Christian, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Your life as a Christian, whether you're a little boy or girl, whether you're a young person, should be a different kind of a life than that of many people in this world. You should be separated into God. So the church needs convictions, first of all. It needs conviction as to the gospel of the grace of God. It's not just a social gospel or a modern gospel. It's a gospel. Paul says, I declare unto you the gospel. How that Christ, what did he say? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 through 4. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. He says, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And Paul tells us in the book of Romans, the last few verses of the fourth chapter, he says that he was delivered for our offenses, and raised again for our justification. And 5.1 says, therefore... Being justified by faith. Faith in Christ being delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's on the basis of Christ's death and His resurrection that we have peace with God through Christ. So we find that the church needs convictions about the gospel. Paul says, I declare unto you the gospel. And Paul says that if any man preach any other gospel than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. And Paul simply preached uh, the gospel, which he said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. If you want to be saved, you believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel and accept Christ as your Savior. And you'll be saved the very moment and instance that you repent of your sins and turn to Jesus for salvation. The church needs conviction. I cannot understand how some people have deep convictions about the Word of God and about the Gospel of Christ and about some things that we are uh, touching upon this morning and then completely forget about those convictions. Can you forget your convictions about the Word of God? This church stands for the same thing it stood for 44 years ago. And you know my purpose as I came to Rio Dosa to start Rio Dosa Baptist Church in 1959, first day of February, I'd been out of the seminary while pastored in Mount Pleasant, Texas, and Oklahoma, and, and Fort Worth. My purpose was to get a place where I could preach and teach God's Word to people that wanted to hear it, Amen. and to go out and win those that would listen to God's Word. You know, I never envisioned being anything but just an ordinary uh, preacher of God's Word, and... and uh, I never envisioned all the all the things that it involved. I just wanted to do it, and I wanted to do find uh, people that were true blue that wanted to hear God's word, would be faithful to it, and had convictions about it. And I think we found some of those until this very day. So the next thing, the church needs courage. The church needs courage. In Acts chapter five and verse twenty nine. I want you to notice what Peter says. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. But the verse before that, 
they had been commanded. It says, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in, the na- in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Peter accused them of being guilty of the blood of Christ. It says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. So we need courage to stand up against resistance of the message of God. We need to stand together. It's a lot easier to stand together than to stand separate. Paul said at one time, he said, at my first answer, 2 Timothy 4, verse 16, 17, no man stood with me. No man stood with me. It's hard to stand alone. That's why we need each other. That's why we need each other's fellowship. But truly our fellowship should be in the Father. Look at 1 John chapter If you will, the book of 1 John, chapter 1, I want you to read what fellowship really is. As the Apostle John declared it unto others, he says, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. He had declared unto them Christ, who is the eternal life, that they had looked upon, their hands had handled of the word of life. And he says in verse 3, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. Now notice, that ye also may have fellowship with us. Now to have fellowship with the apostles, he said this, And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And if we're to have true fellowship, it's based upon a conviction of God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And that's where our fellowship lies. And we need that kind of fellowship to stand together. Paul says in Philippians 1, verse 17, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. Almost every ordination of any preacher I've seen uh, It reads, set for the defense of the gospel. I know mine does. Set for the defense of the gospel. And Paul says, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. We need courage to stand against the wiles of the devil. And having done all to stand. You read in the book of Ephesians. Let me get it for you. Chapter, uh, let's see, I believe it's chapter 6. It says in verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. We need courage to stand. He says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And he goes on about the Christian armor. We're to stand against the wiles of the devil. He says in verse 12, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we need courage to stand. We need courage to do God's work. And then the third thing, the church needs consistency. If you notice our text, it says, let me read it again. And they continued steadfastly. Continued steadfastly. That's consistency, isn't it? You know, it's wonderful to find God's people that will continue. In spite of all the problems you may face, in spite of all the troubles that you may go through, in spite of all the trials that there there may be, in spite of everything that comes into our lives as an individual and as a Christian and as a church, that we will still be consistent in doing what God wants us to do. Consistency. They continued steadfastly. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing today if our uh, people, if every Christian would continue steadfastly? That's consistency. James tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. 
There needs to come a time that we need to make up our minds what we're going to do. As a, a child or as a young boy, a young girl, a young lady, as in our young people, we need to make up our mind, are we going to serve God or not? Back in the book of uh, Kings, First Kings, I believe it is, chapter 18, Elijah said to the people, How long halt ye between two opinions? How long are you going to be undecided? Can you make up your mind what you're going to do with your life? Can you make up your mind with conviction and determination that you're going to serve God? You need to make up your mind. Did you know indecision is, is rather, rather a curse in our lives? If we cannot decide what to do, we need to decide, first of all, within our heart, and I'm not, I'm not talking about any ages, if you're just a little child, Decide in your heart you're going to serve God and live for God. I remember my mother praying that, that I'd be a good boy. And I thought, well, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to try to be whatever she wants me to be, a good boy. Well, you know, uh, we need to pray for our children to be saved. We need to pray that God will help us not to be uh, in, indecisive about what we do. We need to decide in an early age. I remember when I was... Little boy and mother had the big old family Bible out, and in those days you had these places where it had a pledge or promise, and there were several places that you could sign your name there. But this big old family Bible that says, "I promise with God's help never to buy or sell or drink any intoxicating beverages," as in the middle of that Bible. And my dad was an officer here in Rio Dosa, and he had to do with alcoholics, with drunks all over town, and take them home or put them in jail or attend to them in one way or another. And Brother Wendell knows what I'm talking about there because he was in the police force for many years. But anyway, to make a long story short, I had seen the ill effects and the terrible things that happen when people get drunk. And I told Mother I wanted to sign that. She said, Son, are you sure? And I said, I'm sure. I made up my mind what God wanted me to do. What He didn't want me to do, too. And do you know until this day, and I'm 70... Six years old as of March the 2nd, if I make it that long. Not too long, another month. To this day, I've never tasted a beer or wine or whiskey or any strong drink whatsoever. And I was in the Navy when I was 17, 18. I joined 17, went on ship when I was 18. And I had guys, uh, buddies that would go out and get drunk and I'd have to put them in their bunks and, and things like that and kind of take care of them. And I was exposed to all that every young person is, and especially in the in the service. And to this day, I've never done it by the grace of God. And it says, I promise with God's help. I believe it's a matter of decision on the part of our young people to do what they're going to do. Now, you can decide to, to meddle around with it. You can decide to participate in it. You can decide just as convinced, with just as deep conviction not to. Not to. To leave it alone, whatever it is that may harm your life. And if you'll make that kind of decision this morning, in your heart, your life will be far better than it would be if you fail to make the decision. If you'll decide to live for God. And I'm talking about every one of us here, as well as the children and young people. But we need to be decisive. I said that this should be preached in ten messages, seven messages. But we do need consistency. That's number three. You know, as Joshua of old, we talk about grown-ups now. Joshua said, you choose this day whom you will serve. He told the people. 
He said, whether the gods on the other side of the flood, if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, that means the river Euphrates, beyond the river, he says, are the gods of the Amorites, but he says, in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do you have that kind of conviction? Have you made that kind of decision? As for We're talking about families now. Husbands and wives. We're talking about fathers and mothers. We're talking about anyone that wants to serve God. But Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't say, I'm going to go home and ask my wife if she wants to serve God. He didn't say, I'm going to ask the kids how they want to do it. Did he say that? He said, as for me and my house, he was, he was the guide and ruler and overseer and leader and responsible for his decision. And he didn't consult with anybody except God. And he was not undecided about it. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I hope that rings through to some of us. It's our business to be decisive. And we need to make up our minds. We need to be consistent as far as assembling together. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You know what blesses you? You say, Preacher, I want to be a blessing to you. You know how you can be a blessing to me? Be in this church when the doors are open. Be here. You say, Well, I don't feel like it, or I could have done other things, or I had this to do or that. If you want to bless this church and be a blessing, you be in the house of God. You say, i got so many things to do. We make all kinds of excuses. But... I wonder how God feels about it. And His Word tells us what to do. And He says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. How are you going to exhort one another if you're not assembled? As you see the, And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So much the more, not so much the less. So we need to be consistent in our assembling together. We need to be consistent of giving to the needs of the church. The Bible says the tithe is the Lord's. Leviticus 27, 30-32 tells us. Malachi says, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. I don't usually have to preach on giving much in this church because everyone knows that it's their responsibility and they do tithe. Thank God we have a church that is a giving church. But the Bible does tell us He will bless us. He says, I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Someone says, well, how come God blesses this family and this person uh, more than He does me? Well, how does this person act toward giving to God? I'll guarantee you, if you give your tithes and offerings, God's going to bless you. Because God keeps His Word. And He tells you that that's exactly what He will do. The church needs consistency of living for Christ. As far as prayer, you don't just pray once every month or three weeks or something. Prayer. The Bible says pray without ceasing. And the Bible says, in everything, pray. And we're to give thanks. We're to be praying people. We need fellowship. It needs to be consistent in fellowship. Fellowshipping with one another. We need consistency in living in the Word of God. Reading your Bible. The Bible says, study it to sow thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. We need to be consistent in our daily walk. How we live. Not just how we live on Sunday, but how we live every day of the week. 
Consistency. You know, don't you like to find people that are the same when you see them tomorrow as they were today and the next day and the next day? That you can depend on them being the same person. They're not like one that changes their colors like the chameleon with everything that comes along. You can tell exactly what they are. I know that we have people like that in our church that are consistent in the way they live. And I thank God for it. The Bible says, walk worthy of the calling wherewith you are called. Be true to that calling. The church needs, next, compassion. Compassion. If you turn to Acts chapter 3, verse 6, it says this, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. One fellow says, I can't say silver and gold have I none. Another said, neither can you say rise up and walk. You know, like Peter. Peter was broke but not bankrupt because he still had God. And so we can find that there's still room for us to do what God wants us to do. But he had compassion. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. I want to read a verse of Scripture. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them. Because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. You know, if anything moves my heart with compassion, is see people that are not shepherded, do not have a shepherd to lead them and guide them in the Word and in spiritual things. Moved with compassion. And He began to teach them many things. You see, if you're open to teaching, then that uh, is an indication that you would receive of the compassion that Jesus has to offer. The Bible says in Matthew 9, verse 36, that He saw the multitudes and He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. They were just about to give up. They had no strength and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith He unto His disciples, The harvest truly is plenished, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He will send forth labors into His harvest. What do we need today? Labors in the Lord's harvest. Every one of us. Jesus had compassion. I could give you many things. On the widow of Nain who had lost her only son. We prayed a little bit ago for the, the ones that had lost. Some lost their son. Some lost their husband. Some lost their brothers or sisters or whoever they may have been. We know that they're all gone. The good Samaritan came where this man that had fallen among thieves says when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He had compassion on him. God give us a heart of compassion for other people. The Bible says that Jesus, the very first sermon that Jesus preached, He said He was sent to heal the brokenhearted. You read in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And God had compassion on us. The Bible says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. He said, By grace you're saved. We need to look to the spiritual needs of people above all their souls, their soul salvation. We need to look to the spiritual need of every... I, I, I need to look this morning, and I do look at the spiritual need of every person that's under the sound of my voice that I'm looking upon this morning. Your spiritual need that you will receive the, what God has for you in a spiritual way. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And be, be what God would have you to be. The church needs next of all five, and I have seven. I want to give you these as quickly as I can. It needs conversions. It says, as many as received His Word, they that gladly received His Word were baptized. 
The same day the Lord added to the church, it tells us in the last verse, such as were being saved, such as should be saved. It needs conversions. Conversions to Christ, to Jesus, who is the Savior. Not to a religion, not to a denomination, not to a church, but conversions deep in the heart, conversions to God. Paul commended the Thessalonian church, I believe it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9, you can check it out, where he says, they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. They turned to someone from something. They turned to God, but they turned from their idols. And they turned to serve the living and true God. And that's the kind of turning and conversion that we need in the lives of people. Genuine conversions. You know, there's a lot of people that are persuaded to to do various things in the church, but unless you have a conviction about it, that you need to do it, it won't amount to very much. If God gives you a deep conviction as to your need, when you hear the gospel preached, that you need to be saved, that you're a sinner and you need to be saved, and you turn to God, He'll save you. If He gives you a deep conviction that you're a child of God and you need to turn to Him and serve Him, then something will be accomplished. But if you're not convicted of it, nothing will ever happen. But if you know you need it, and you'll say, yes, I need to do what I know is right to do, then you'll have the kind of conversion that God wants in your life. And then quickly, the church needs cooperation. It says, they continued steadfastly. Cooperation. That means all of us working together, one with another and one for another, for the for the right purpose, in the right way. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9, you had Paul and Silas and, and uh, the various ones he mentions. And you can go back and search, search the context. There were more than that. Apollos and different ones. But he says, listen. He says, for we are laborers together with God. Now, we need to work together. We need to labor together. You know, if one man's trying to lift a great big timber out here, I remember one time down here we were building this uh, water treatment plant right here at Hollywood. It's gone now. They built one down the valley further. But anyway, it was out there and they had a big I-beam. And there were several guys carrying it. And they were about to fall and fold under the load. So they hollered at some of the rest of us that were standing around there. And I wasn't standing around. I was working, but I had my gloves laying on the ground that I'd washed out with some diesel fuel. And the sun was hot, and I reached down. This was a mistake on my part. Not helping them, but the way I did it. I reached down and grabbed those gloves and put on and helped them with that high beam that was hot. And I carried it over there. We got it where it was going and everything. But I just burnt my hands. I had no hide on it till this day. And I had a terrible time of getting it healed up. But anyway, it took several men to get the job done, and some of them were about to fall under the load, and they were stumbling and just about to lose it. And two or three more of us grabbed a hold, and we, we got it where it went to, was supposed to go. We can, we can lend a helping hand. Everyone can get a hold of it and try to do something. And so we need cooperation in our labor. They continue steadfastly in the apostle doctrine. We need to learn together in God's Word. We need to love together. And we need to labor together. And by the way, one of these days we'll all go up together. That'll be the great thing. We'll leave together. So, that's our business. The Bible says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, I don't have time to go except this last point. I'll try to cover it as briefly as possible. But it's so full, I don't want to skip it. The church needs commitment. 
They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Here they were. These were added to the church of God at Jerusalem, such as were being saved. Proverbs 16, verse 3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. You get that? Someone said, I don't know what to do. Commit thy works to the Lord, and what? And thy thoughts, you'll know what to do, shall be established. Simple as that, isn't it? But let's commit our works to the Lord. Leave it to Him. Paul said, A dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. In 1 Timothy 1.11, it says, The glorious gospel was committed to my trust. And he says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. 1 Timothy 6.20 The Bible says, He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. If we've committed the keeping of our souls to Him, He is able to keep it against that day. Wonderful things of commitment. Commit the keeping of their souls unto Him as a faithful Creator. 1 Peter 4, verse 19. I have a whole group of Scriptures I could read for you. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Commit thy works unto the Lord. And Paul told Timothy, he says, the things that you've received of me, and I've tried to do this in this church, the same, he told Timothy, commit unto faithful men that they may teach others also. And I hope that after I'm dead and gone, that some of the things that I've said, you will commit to other faithful men and teach others also. But we need commitment and we need to be serious about these things. What does the church need? Let me rehearse them. Conviction and courage, consistency, compassion, conversions, cooperation, and commitment. And I trust if we have these things in our church this morning, we'll have what God wants us to have. At least there's a lot of other things we should have preached on and could, but time would fail. I want us to stand together for a word of prayer and a song leaner and fitness will come. I want us to stand together for a word of prayer and a song leaner and fitness will come. I want us to stand together for a word of prayer and a song leaner and fitness will come. I want us to stand together for a word of prayer and a song leaner and fitness will come. I want us to stand together for a word of prayer and a song leaner and fitness will come. I want us to stand together for a word of prayer and a song leaner and fitness will come. I want us to stand together for a word of prayer and a song leaner and